Um, I, I want to report now that I have no idea what's going on because your mic is set up exactly the same yeah. as hers. Well, can't I, you scoot over to that one? Was why that am one I? Up? Why am, oh, now Ooh, I'm hearing. That's, yeah, no, that's that's the phone. There it goes. I have no clue as to why. I can hear you fine. Oh, I can hear uh-huh. me fine. It has, it has nothing to do yeah. with. Did you check all the connections? It was a technical malfunction. No, it's, that we're he's going... coming through the board fine. He's recording fine. There's something yeah. with his mic because I was watching the whole time, and he is his settings right now are exactly the same as Dawn's. Yeah, I don't know. That's producer Tom. <laughs> That'd be engineer. 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 Th- that's engineer Tom. Oh, what's the difference between a producer and an engineer? You're more the producer. Mm-hmm. You're the one who writes the scripts and runs the show and tells people what to ask. I, oh. run, I run the equipment. So, so I'm, the I'm the producer? Yes. I used to not be able to spell engineer. Now I are one. <laughs> <laughs> producer Cash and in, uh, engineer Tom. Got it. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. Uh-huh. Okay. Host Don. Expert Scott. Bystander expert. Scott. Uh, bystander. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the expert. Oh, be more standbyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, in the standby th- expert. Why don't you give oh. me a pause and then a countdown so I can edit, find the edit mark. And do me a favor, make it a really, really long, no. silent part. Here, mm. I can tell you right now we're at thirty-three minutes and twenty seconds exactly. Okay, thirty-three minutes and twenty seconds. All type it in your type it in your thing. Yeah, I can. She can go five, four, three, two, one, and I can. Or I can tell you, this is our five, four, three, two, one. Awesome. <laughs> Low tech. Aww. Low tech. Hey, <laughs> don't dislike. Better tech. tech. That one goes through the board. <laughs> <laughs> that one goes through your pants. Uh, oh, really, I'm Scott? Editing that out. That oh, gets edited Scott. out. Now, I expect that from him, <laughs> but not from you. Oh, for heaven's sake. I'm just going to count it down. All right, so 3427. Got it. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hi, I'm Kim Kellerman from Razel Stamp Company. America's oldest stamp auction house in the country. And you are listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. 
Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode number 109. I'm Cash, and I am the last person that will die within my lifetime. I'm Scott, and that was confusing. This is Tom. And I'm your host, Dawn. This week, we will be discussing fairy tales on stamps, and we have a special guest on the phone, Richard Lehman. So get ready for the I word. That's investing. In stamps. In stamps. So belly up to the bar because we still have half price stamp show here today, margaritas. That's a lie because I don't have any margaritas in front of me. I don't either. Why do you make me say these things? Because if I didn't say it, would be like, say it, say it, say it, say it. (laughs) He would. Say it. On this day in history, on January 4th, 1785, about 232 years ago this week, Jacob Ludwig Carl Grimm, one of the brothers Grimm, was born. So this day in history three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Just saying. When it was written, <laughs> this was within, uh-huh. this was the first week, and then we went to Orco Expo oh. and it put everything off. So maybe you want to reword that? I'm going to reword that. Like I said. As we were saying, this month in history. All I want to do is just go home and drink, okay? (laughs) Well, at least we know where the half-priced margaritas are. Yeah. Really? So parental discretion is advised because we are going to talk about fairy tales on stamps. Okay, get the kids out of the room. I mean it. I will wait till you get them all off to bed or whatever because we're going to discuss fairy tales and you do not want them to hear this. Scary, scary fairy tales. Mm -hmm. So some background first about what we are talking about and I start with this cheery story from the Grimm Brothers called The Butcher. Two brothers watch a pig get butchered, and the older says, Let's play, and you are the pig. And then he stabs his brother in the neck with a long knife. The mother upstairs is bathing a small child, and after she hears the screaming, runs downstairs and sees what happened. She pulled the knife from the son and in a fit of rage stabs the other son in the heart. She then returns upstairs to see that the baby is drowned in the tub. Unable to be consoled, she hangs herself. The farmer, upon his return, sees all this, and dies soon after. The moral of the story is, don't play with knives. Yeah, this is a typical fairy tale, and we're going to talk to... There is There was no The Butcher on stamps. I wonder why. Yeah, because uh, I can't... Yeah. Babies don't float by themselves. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> oh, very inappropriate. <laughs> You're looking for a moral, right? (laughs) Oh, gosh. The moral is don't play with knives. A little extreme, but... So they throw the baby out with the bathwater? Oh, no, no, no. Wait until you read some of the ones that do have stamps. They're either equal or worse or better or the same. Mm -hmm. So with that introduction, let's look at the 2006 Cinderella stamp. Scott... 4026. 
Yeah, this is the Disney stamp with uh, Cinderella at the ball. And what uh, some people don't uh, know the whole story is... They don't know the original story. They don't know the original story. So Cinderella, you know, everything happens. Everybody knows what happens. Then she drops her slipper. I never understood why the pumpkin turned or the carriage turns back into a pumpkin. The horses turn back into uh, mice. Her clothes all change back. But the glass slipper she left behind doesn't change back. It was a memento of the ball. That her fairy godmother let her keep the glass slippers. So the fairy godmother had everything else expire but the glass slipper. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, fairy knew. godmother. Okay, so fairy godmother rules, I guess. This is the... Uh, so he takes the glass slipper to the uh, Cinderella's house, and there's the two step uh, step sisters. Evil step sisters. Either step... Actually, it's ugly stepsisters. Anyway, so uh, he takes the glass slipper and the one stepsister says, well, my foot isn't going to fit, so I'm going to cut off my big toe. She cuts off her big toe. It fits into the slipper. These two pigeons fly down and go, hey, 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 prince, look at all the blood. And the prince goes, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You cheated. So he takes the glass slipper to the other one. The other one is smarter. She's not going to cut her toe off. She cuts her heel off. Which, Ow. which I would <laughs> I would think that would be worse than cutting your toe off. Anyway, she cuts her heel off. Fits into the slipper. Prince goes, well, oh, I found the person. The pigeons fly down and go, no, no, no. Look, look at all the blood. He, he goes, nope, sorry. Puts it on Cinderella. It fits. He proposes to her. They get married. Cinderella invites her two stepsisters to the wedding. They hobble in, I guess, because one's missing a toe and the other one's missing a heel. Anyway, they hobble over to the wedding and the two pigeons pluck their eyes out. And that's the end of the story. Yay! (laughs) And you know what that has to do with stamp collecting? Well, That's where we came up with the color pigeon blood pink. Oh, oh. <laughs> we, we can call it ugly stepsister pink. Oh. Anyway, that's the uh, the Disney version. More violent. That know, wasn't the Disney that's, version. That's the grim version. That's yeah. the grim version. The Disney version, uh, no uh, pigeons attacking people. And no people cutting off body parts. Yeah. No wonder they call themselves grim. Well, they sort of said, uh, basically what happened is the Grimm fairy tales, less sex, more violence. Than Disney. (laughs) Yeah, than Disney. What's the next one we're going to talk about? Uh, Let's go with the 2000 Celebrating the Century stamp of Snow White. It's got number 3184H, as well as the 2005 stamp. It's got 3915. Well, everybody uh, probably understands that this is actually more of a sort of a rape story than anything else in the end. And in the original story, Snow White does not wake up. Uh, Snow White basically just, uh, you know, gets kind of hit and run by some prince. (laughs) She just laid there? She just laid there. Well, she was asleep from the apple. She was roofied. She was roofied, yeah. So uh, not, not, again, this is uh, another Disney stamp and... A snap? A snap? Yeah. One's the Disney snap. 
Oh, snap. Oh, snap. snap. (laughs) One is the Disney stamp, and the other one is the celebrating the century. So uh, Snow White actually has two stamps. And now that you finally said it right, Scott snapped his fingers (laughs) over your word. (laughs) What's the next one? Uh, The Little Mermaid. Now, that's sad. 2005. Mm Mm-hmm. Scott's number 3914. Uh, the story on this one is kind of interesting because in the first of all, she doesn't um, get together with the prince or the man or whatever. She she sells her, that'd be that'd be Eric. Yeah, she yeah. sells her fins for the price of her tongue. She has her tongue chopped out because she used to be a singer. And so uh, the evil person said, I will give you legs, but you have to chop your tongue out so you can never sing anymore. And so she says, fine. And so she trades her fins and her tongue in for some legs. And they say, every time you walk, it's going to feel like needles in your feet because you're not used to it. So she uh, goes out. She meets the guy. He, she actually sees him get married and then d- jumps into the ocean and turns into foam and on her way to heaven sees the ceremony happening. And uh, not a really happy story at all. That's depressing. Yeah. And there also wasn't a singing crab or anything in it. Mm. Which, is there a Pinocchio stamp? Because that's yes. one of my, there's one of my favorites is that uh, Jiminy Cricket gets squashed with a hammer in the first chapter of the actual Pinocchio book. Yes, but I don't think you put it in the notes. Yeah. yeah. Is there a U.S. stamp for Pinocchio? Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure either. We'll look into that and we'll make a cash correction. Yeah, on there that, you Peppy. go. Where, where would be we be without cash's correction? I know, right? What about this foreign one? It's uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, this is... That's th- Germany. Yeah, yes. that's Germany. 1960s Germany semi-postal. They have the whole little story there. And uh, in the, four sta- five stamps, four stamps, four, I believe four stamps. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, tell a whole story in four stamps. And no. actually, it they, they call her uh, not Little Red Riding Hood, they call her Little Red Riding Cap. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the whole story there is that uh, the wolf goes ahead, you know, everything you know, the wolf goes ahead, eats the grandma. Uh, the part that they kind of change is that uh, the when Little Red Riding Hood goes there. Uh, the wolf says, here, take off all your clothes and get into bed with me. And so she does. And the wolf eats her. And then the huntsman comes in with his axe and slices open the wolf's stomach because he heard all the screaming. And after he slices open the wolf's stomach, out pops grandma, out pops little red riding hood with no problems. They and th- no clothes. No cl- and no clothes. And they fill up the... Uh, Wolf with his stomach with stones, and he dies because he has stones in his stomach, not because he was slid open or anything like that. So he dies because he has rocks in his stomach. Anyway, the moral of the story is that young women should protect their chastity. This is a story that uh, tells girls not to sleep with wolves. Sleep with wolves, yeah, basically. So it's a uh, it's a rather um, extreme story, let's say. N- nothing like uh, what Walt Disney comes up with. By the way, uh, Pinocchio, Jiminy Cricket, Scott 3868. 
3868. Oh, did we give the number for the German stamps? No, we didn't. No, you just said semi-postal. It's B372 to 375. So 72, 73, 74, 74, four stamps. Did we leave any out? Post yours on Facebook. Um, Tom, what's that? Pins. Lots of them. Yes. Much harder, much heavier to collect than stamps. <laughs> they're Disney pins, though. They are. They're Disney pins. Yes. Speaking of fairy tales. Fairy tales, mm-hmm. yeah. Tom, Tom brought his Disney pin collection in to share with everybody. So Yes, everybody look. Here's yes, pins. Yes. There's pins. I see it's lots magni- of... Magnificent for radio. We, 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 so lots of Tigger. What, what I'll do is I'll put a picture of it on uh, our Facebook so people can see. The, they're interesting because they're laid out on lanyards. Why don't you explain that? Because this is... Well, I have I have them. I have two really big um, lanyards. It's not something that Disney ever sold. One um, I made, and one I had somebody else make it for me. Um, they're about two inches wide, and they're probably a foot and a half long. You know, and um, no, they're longer than that. They're almost almost three feet long. Yeah. Well, I mean, but over your when you wear it, it's probably about a foot and a half as mm-hmm. far as like necklace length. And um, I used to, when I was um, an annual pass holder at Disneyland, I would actually wear that lanyard or one of those lanyards to the park just to kind of show off the pins that I had. So just a way to display them without actually having them in a pin book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like if the, if you were trading stamps, you'd have a lanyard with stamps on it, I guess. Yes. but That would be odd. <laughs> but yeah. Well, you'd carry around. See, now, when you're not doing that, the rest is. Oh. 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 (laughs) Yeah. If anyone didn't hear the thump, that was my actual (laughs) bag full of pins that I would carry around the park. Wow. Well, why don't you tell us about pin trading is different from stamp trading. But I would love it, actually, if they were more like each other. Because what you tell me about pin trading is everything that I remember when I was a little kid. Well, yeah. And tra- we usually, we actually did trade stamps. Well, or baseball cards or, or baseball. things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And, and you know, well, it's, it's a way that kids do trade baseball cards still. But this is something right out there where it is well, this, normal This is This is different. Um, pin trading was originally set up in the parks, I think, in the late 90s. Um, so I actually got into it late. But um, it, it's interesting because like stamps and unlike baseball cards, I mean, baseball cards, you have different teams, you have a couple different companies that make them, and people may collect different players. But I think it's a little bit more like pin, uh, stamps. Pins are a little bit more like stamps in the fact that you have so many different areas that you can collect, like if you did topicals for stamps. Um, People collect different characters. People collect different movies. People collect, you know, animals. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones is people would collect. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Winnie the Pooh. No, Tigger. I, no, Evil. it's cat. Well, I, I noticed one of your lanyards. Oh, Lucifer. Here is a- Lucifer. People. Co- people collect. There's people out there that specifically look for Lucifer the cat on pins. He's oh, just okay. a cool. It's, it's <laughs> people who are collectors of who like cats. Mm-hmm. He was like a cat villain, and there's a lot of people who just go nuts. And there's very few of his pins really out there. Well, you collect thirteens. You showed me some of your. 13 I do. Stamps. I I collect Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. uh, pins, and that's because I 
my birthday's on the 13th. Oh. Yeah. And uh, I turned 13 on Good Friday the 13th. Oh, nice. Um, I turned 19 on Friday the 13th, so my first and last teenage years were both on Friday the 13th. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... Um, well, did I tell you my story about uh, Flight 666 going into Helsinki Airport, and Hel- Helsinki Airport is H-E-L, on Friday the 13th. So on Friday the 13th, Flight 666 descended into hell. And do you know what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I noticed one of your lanyards is covered with Tigger pins. Oh, yeah. uh, yes, he was one of my. He's always been one of my favorites. I love um, Tigger. The funny thing is, is just like I was talking about. You'll notice my Tigger pins only contain Tigger. They're not Tigger and Pooh or Tigger and somebody else. They're pretty much all exclusively Tigger by himself. Hmm. And then you have Stitch on the other one. Stitch is my favorite. I love Stitch. It's my favorite movie. Um, he's my favorite character. But again, I collect specific Stitch stuff. I have a few that are when they did them on like St. Patrick's Day and stuff. I have Stitch with bagpipes, mm-hmm. kind of a kind of the even though St. Patrick's Day kind of a Scottish thing. Um, you know, don't see Stitch Edinburgh Scotland with bagpipes. Um, you know, so I, I collected things like that. I also liked. Um, I love to cook. So in the end of the movie, Stitch was cooking and he wore a chef's hat. Well, Disney took off with that and I collect Stitch in a chef's hat. (laughs) And then I also like the part of uh, the ugly duckling. So I collect Stitch with ducks. Oh. So that's, uh, there's one of them there. Well, on my lanyard, when I go to stamp shows, I have stamp pins, but there aren't nearly as many stamp pins, obviously, as there are Disney pins. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's a lot of pins there. Yeah, there is. I wouldn't want to carry that. It's heavy. It is heavy. Mm -hmm. We can't hear you, Don. So, yeah, I... I I, It it would be so great if there was a way to trade stamps like this. If you're into Disney, too, by the way, just so you know. Since we were talking about the number of 13, you know what Disneyland's address is, right? No, what? 1313 Harbor Boulevard. Oh, really? No, yes, is it, it is. really? Well, actually, it's Disneyland Drive now. Yeah. The uh-huh. main entrance used to be Harbor Boulevard, but mm-hmm. but yeah, it's 1313, so. Way cool, way cool. So people, if you're interested in pin trading, drop uh, Tom a little note at... Uh, Blue paper at gradingmatters.com. <laughs> That's neat. How many pins do you have? There's got to be a couple hundred here. Probably a couple hundred. Yeah. Wow. There's probably there's probably 30 or 40 of Tigger just on that one lanyard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Very nice. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Oh, I have an item. We got a letter from Simon Zhang from Hong Kong. And he sent me a very nice first day cover of a chicken for Year of the Cock. And it is very nice. Thank you very much. That's a really cool cover. It's really neat. Yeah, it's all printed and very colorful. I'll take a picture of it, too, and put Put it it in the museum. Yeah. Yes, put it in the museum. And so he says, uh, I wish everybody at Stamp Show here today a happy 2017. So thank you very much, Simon. Thank you.
We have Richard Lehman with us on the phone. Richard founded the Bond Investors Association and is a regular columnist on fixed income investing with Forbes magazine. He is also a columnist for the American Stamp Dealer and Collector magazine published by the American Stamp Dealer Association. So Richard, what do you have for us today? Uh, well, we have a number of things to talk about, uh, especially the, uh, the new stamp evaluator that we have created. But uh, I understand you have some interest in talking about dead country, good investments or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, we can start with uh, with that because that's something uh, I wrote on as a topic uh, for the American Stamp Dealers Association magazine. And uh, the reason I did that is because I... Uh, you know, my thought was, uh, you know, here are countries that uh, uh, theoretically uh, stopped issuing stamps and therefore, you know, would be interested in investing in them. And uh, so I took two cuts at this. One is the countries that uh, formed uh, when the Russian Revolution took place. And, and therefore, these were countries that broke away from Russia and tried to establish themselves as independent countries, only to fail, uh, at least up until in 1989, when the Soviet Union fell apart. And then I did a second uh, column on the countries that uh, were, or the sections of, of countries that uh, resulted at the end of World War One, where the uh, uh, peace conference decided that these areas should have the, the right to decide which country they wanted to be a part of, whether it was France, Germany, Russia, Poland, whatever, or, or to be independent. And uh, how did those fare? And, and uh, they, none of them lasted as independent countries but uh, and eventually affiliated with one of the other countries but uh, it was uh, it was interesting to, to to say you know how would the stamps of these countries do uh, so I did two columns on that and uh, the one uh, dealing with uh, breakaway uh, areas of the Soviet Union um, there were some 17 areas that uh, declared independence from Russia when when the, when the uh, Soviet Union uh, was formed and it took them uh, from about 1919 till 1923 to settle out uh, which ones uh, were going to be independent and which ones were going to be forced back into the Soviet Union. Actually, most of them, in fact, all of these that I mentioned, uh, did uh, become incorporated back into Russia. And it wasn't until 1989 that they uh, broke away and, and established themselves independently, some of them. Uh, and so I, I looked at this from a, from a point of view, would there be an, an investor interest in, in these stamps, and therefore would they have a good good history from uh, from an investment point of view? Because that's that's been my, my mantra, so to speak, uh, all along, has been uh, how do stamps um, uh, fare as investments, and can you evaluate them as an investment the same way you would evaluate a company for, for stock purchase purposes? Anyhow, with that said, the, uh, looking at the, uh, the places that broke away from the Soviet Union, uh, I, I noticed that uh, the ones that uh, appreciated the, the, the most uh, uh, dramatically were the countries that uh, eventually got their independence back uh, in, uh, after the Soviet Union fell in, in 1990. And uh, uh, to give you, by way of example, uh, Armenia, uh, which... Uh, became independent, um, had uh, 139% appreciation in the last five years, and mm -hmm. over 1,000% over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, Central Lithuania, which uh, uh, 
became Lithuania, was part of Lithuania, and and um, became Lithuania again. Uh, the Central Lithuania actually did very well. It uh, appreciated 52%, but Lithuania itself only appreciated about 5%. So hmm. there, there's a, a dramatic uh, difference, and I think partly to do with the fact that uh, they didn't print very many stamps, because uh, they weren't in existence very long. The other, the other breakaway places like Estonia did very well, 76%, and uh, Latvia was 37%. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, as a, as a area of interest uh, for investment, uh, these breakaway countries were not uh, not bad at all. Uh, and I think it had a lot to do with with the fact that uh, they had very low issuance of stamps, and uh, the uh, they're still. Uh, the Soviet Union uh, stamps generally have done very well in the last five, ten years. So uh, that has probably helped to uh, uh, draw attention to them. Why do you think that occurred? I'm sorry? Why do you think that occurred? Why did the uh, Russian stamps go up? I know it's because of their um, their additional income and et cetera into their country. But is there any... Yeah. Like, Fundamentals well, to I, could, I could give you a whole whole talk about uh, about the economic uh, elements that, that drive stamp value. Uh, in, in the case of uh, of Russia and such, uh, there's not a hell of a lot of, uh, for people to invest in in Russia. I mean, you know, their, their stock market was pretty much uh, uh, decimated by by the major companies being um, uh, taken over by oligarchs and and uh, and, and eventually by the government itself. So. Uh, and and keeping your money in in a bank uh, has has not been uh, a good idea in the past because uh, you know uh, uh, they previously uh, taken people's bank accounts and, and said okay we're taking your bank account and uh, mm. we'll underwrite your pension uh, and we'll hold the money <laughs> uh, so you know the, the, it's not a good place to to uh, you know to, it's it's a place to where you struggle to find alternatives mm. uh, there are other reasons. Uh, like for example, in China, uh, the uh, the banking system is too transparent to the government, and uh, and there's a lot of corruption, and therefore, uh, you know, when, when whenever the, you're out of if you're out of favor, you know, they can go and look at your bank account and see if you've been paying anybody bribes and just uh, and, and incarcerate you in jail. This is this has been a big crackdown in China. It hasn't happened in, in Russia, but it could very very easily happen because we we all know that uh, corruption is a is a big problem there. So uh, stamps become a good way to uh, uh, to pay bribes without paying cash. It's also a good way to move money out of the country uh, if uh, if that's a, a constraint uh, to the average individual, and, uh, and therefore it, uh, it 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 tends to to be one of the, the driving forces, uh, especially when the economy is prospering and, and and there are people who are accumulating wealth and, and want to find better places for it. You, why don't you ask? Richard, this is Scott. Yes. What uh, what happens to a dead country when, say, the country stays dead? It doesn't. It didn't come back. It wasn't part. Of, didn't become part of Germany or another one of these places. It just kind of ceased to exist. What then happened? Did those? Well, in the case in the case of the uh, the breakaway uh, provinces for Russia, uh, those that uh, uh, did not come back. Uh, those stamps have uh, not done particularly well. The, the, the ones that uh, that have done well are the ones that uh, recovered uh, their independence uh, in uh, nineteen or uh, in nineteen ninety, and and uh, 
therefore they 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 are issuing stamps today, which and and therefore there's interest in, from either people that that you know, have an ethnic tie to them or or within that country itself. So I think that that is is the big difference. Uh, and and the same thing uh, holds for for example, uh, as I said, I did a second uh, article on this, and that was the all the areas that uh, uh, were up uh, up in the air at the end of World War One where the uh, the uh, Peace Commission decided to give them a vote uh, as to whether or not they, uh, they wanted to be part of Germany, part of France, independent, or you know, part of the Soviet Union. Uh, actually, no, no, this, this, there were no Soviet, <coughs> Soviet ones in that study. This was strictly for the European country. Uh, Greece and Italy were, were, were two of the other areas where there were, there were components that eventually were integrated into those countries. But... Uh, the uh, the thing here in those cases was that uh, they have not appreciated as well uh, as the Soviet Union. As but uh, that, that's not uh, inconsistent with the fact that uh, European stamps have not uh, done well in the last five years. I would say uh, ten years ago they they did very well, but in the last five years they have not. And when we're talking about uh, areas like what's called Allenstein, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, Castel de Rosa, Crete, Dalmatia, Danzig, uh, Marienwerder, uh, Menno, Zar, uh, and uh, Serbia, Slovenia. Uh, even those that, that uh, did break away later on, uh, they have not uh, done very well at, at all. But I think that that has to do with the fact that, that stamps generally in, in Europe uh, are on the decline. Uh, and I think that's uh, as much a demographic problem as anything else. Okay, so that uh, that's pretty much covers them. And in terms of um, you know looking at them as investments, as I say, the uh, you have to look at the continuity. Uh, and uh, you know the, the there are countries all over the world. I mean, over the last uh, uh, since 1840, that that um, have uh, issued stamps and, and have uh, disappeared. I think the the biggest uh, area like that uh, that I haven't covered in this would be in Africa. Where you have uh, numerous uh, areas and colonies that uh, were rejiggered uh, and, and uh, where ownership changed, and uh, uh, they issued stamps and, and then were consolidated in other areas. But uh, I haven't analyzed those because, uh, generally speaking, uh, African countries have not done well as an entire category. There's a few places, I mean, North Africa, and, uh, which is more Arab. Uh, area yes, that uh, that's a little bit different, and, and South Africa itself is also uh, kind of standalone. But uh, the uh, most of the rest of, the, of Africa has uh, has not uh, done well philatelically uh, uh, at all. So, from an investment point of view, that is not uh, in an area that I've uh, dealt uh, dealt into. Well, Richard, um, you mentioned you have a stamp evaluation system. Could you uh, tell us more about that, please? Yeah, we just launched in January our stamp evaluator uh, for plastic stamps. And uh, what we basically uh, have done is is try to fill a gap that that we think exists in terms of a catalog. Uh, First of all, this is a totally digital system, and... and, uh, you know, it, it, it's sad that um, catalog companies have not yet gone digital uh, because they, they just uh, don't understand uh, what all can be done. And, I, and I'll give you an example of that. 
with our system that uh, basically we, we've uh, digitized everything from 1840 to 1950. Mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, have, have uh, uh, basically are getting images of all of these items. I'd say right now we're about 70% of the, of the items in the catalog <coughs> have uh, images. We also don't have any page count constraint. In other words, we know that uh, Scott, for example, now is uh, you know, had, had to divide his albums because they got so big and heavy, and uh, you know we we don't have that problem. So we already have uh, uh, about uh, I think about twenty twenty five thousand items uh, over and above what uh, Scott shows, simply because we don't have a problem of of uh, you know worrying about the page count. Mm-hmm. We also uh, uh, decided that uh, we were going to show this. Uh, we're going to show market pricing in, in this catalog rather than uh, than some catalog, some value that that dealers um, handed to you and said uh, here's a proper price for this. Right. And as a result of that, uh, most of our pricing is going to be substantially below uh, what you see in the, in the Scott catalog, for example. And uh, we also, because we don't have any any page constraint again, uh, we can show uh, pricing by condition of stamps. Uh, and so several different uh, uh, grades of stamps rather than just uh, mint uh, used and mint never hinged. The, uh, but the big uh, thing here is that by having it digital, we can also now incorporate our investment grading system where we say, you know, which country, which stamps, uh, and we look at everything $25 and higher, and we say which of these stamps are good investment stamps based on their, their appreciation history, and which ones are just expensive stamps? Uh, and uh, and we, we, uh, we're, we're the criteria for that evaluation, uh, those are those are being expanded. Uh, where we're starting to incorporate some um, some other metrics uh, that are common in uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the securities market, where where I've been for the last uh, 20 years, mm-hmm. and, and knowing how to evaluate stocks. But some of those same principles can apply to stocks and apply to uh, stamps, and uh, I, I believe that uh, this will eventually build the confidence of uh, investors uh, that there is uh, an opportunity here. Because if people buy stamps, uh, you know, not just uh, not just for collecting. Uh, many places, it's, it's to hide money, it's to move money, uh, and and we know that uh, that uh, you know that people are looking for alternative places to to uh, Put their money, and and especially the mobility factor, which is I think is a big element uh, for the Chinese stamps and why they've done so tremendously well in the, the last uh, ten years. Hmm. The other thing, though, that that you really gain from having a digital uh, uh, catalog type thing or evaluate, as we call it, um, is that you can uh, create electronic uh, want lists, and you can uh, create electronic uh, inventory of your collection, and uh, you say, "Well, what what's the benefit of an electronic want list?" is is that you can then also electronically search for the items that you're looking for. In other words, uh, we as as more and more uh, sites uh, adopt uh, our, our chronology and our, our uh, prefixing system uh, for stamps, uh, then people uh, we can uh, use these electronic lists from people. Uh, that have been submitted to uh, survey hundreds of websites and feed back to them who has what they're looking for. 
and in fact, uh, it's been set up in a way that it allows you not just to say, this is what I'm looking for. It also allows you to say, this is what I'm willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if uh, you know, this is like this, the way the stock market works. You have a bid and an ask price. You don't have just a, an ask price. And, and I think that uh, that uh, will, will stimulate a lot of um, activity because dealers have uh, need for cash at, at different times. So they're willing to change their prices if they suddenly, uh, if they see that, that there's a lot of uh, items, uh, a lot of their inventory that they can sell, but they have to drop the price maybe 10, 15 percent, uh, they'll do that. And uh, this is this is a the, the way securities markets works, and there's no reason uh, that that can't work for stamps as well. So, Richard, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, we, the, the only uh, request, if I had the opportunity here on your show, is to say that, you know, the, this uh, stamp evaluator that, that we're, we're creating is is, is a, a work in progress. In other words, we're not just going to cover uh, postage stamps. Um, we're going to uh, cover revenue stamps and, and uh, postal stationery and, and anything that's philatelic uh, uh, because we have no constraint in terms of pages and, and size. And, and we all know that there's there's literally thousands of items that uh, that, that uh, Scott or some other uh, catalog company does not uh, recognize. In fact, between the, the catalog companies, uh, you know, because we we do cross index uh, the items, and we see that there's there, there's a vast difference in what uh, uh, Scott or Everest or Nickel recognize. And uh, you know, and then there's there are country uh, catalogs where you know, there's just a huge variety of, uh, of uh, different uh, uh, things that, that can be collected from these countries. I, I think that this is a, an important part of, of uh, philately because you think about it, a person collects uh, a country, and, and that's his interest, uh, and, or maybe one of two countries even. But, but the point is that, that uh, if you've been collecting for a number of years, uh, it doesn't take very long before you get to the point where everything you're missing is either you can't find it or it's so so expensive that uh, you know you really can't uh, can't afford it. So then your your whole interest in, in philately kind of wanes, or else you have to go off into something else. Well, you know what what we're finding is that if you go into the specialty catalogs for particular countries, you find out there's there's thousands of varieties that that aren't in Scott uh, or are in Everett or Gibbons. And and you you then say well you know I can keep collecting this country because uh, you know I can I can go for these uh, these varieties uh, also that there's a tremendous universe of revenue stamps there's more revenue stamps out there than postage stamps at least for this time frame where you know up to 1950 uh, and uh, you know if you uh, want to continue your interest in, in in your given country you go into the revenue stamps for that area and uh, you know first of all they're, they're inexpensive because they they're not uh, as popular and well known, uh, and uh, you know they can be just as satisfying uh, to a collector and, and allow him to stay in his country of interest. Excellent, uh, Richard. Um, how about giving us a plug for your website and also telling us uh, how someone might go about giving a little test drive if they're interested in in uh, exploring the software and possibly uh, using it, and do they just want to do a, a a test drive. Uh, before they buy, uh, yeah. Well, this is a well. The good news here is that uh, 
you know, in, in this introductory period, uh, we're we're not charging anybody to use it to use the website, and you know, so you can you can use the one list service, you can use the evaluator information, uh, and it's all free free of charge, uh, and we're going to keep that uh, uh, going for for a while until until we feel uh, you know we we have a handle because we're asking people also to give us the, some feedback on this and and say. What is it you like about this site, and what would you like to see more of in in, in it? And uh, you know, so that uh, it'll be somewhere later this year that that we actually are charging for it. But uh, the site, of course, is stampfinder.com, and uh, you know, we've been uh, we've been on the uh, internet since uh, 1996, and consequently, uh, you know, we we uh, I think there are a lot of people know us out there. They just don't know that uh, we've gotten uh, very active again, but but we're not dealers in stamps. We don't. Uh, we have a, a dealer sales site, but we don't charge dealers for uh, for listing. And uh, you know, we're 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 going to be in the information business. That, that's that's our focus. And uh, we're going to be, you know, we like to think of ourselves as as a Bloomberg of philately. Uh, I'm very familiar with the Bloomberg system, and uh, you know, I know that uh, you know that they revolutionized the, the securities business uh, by making information transparent. And uh, we think that that same uh, principle can apply in philately and uh, bring a lot of more people into into the uh, hobby. Great. Okay, so stampfinder.com, and they can try it out for free. And possibly later this year they will have uh, – you'll start charging for use of the site. So Stuff that has value you have to pay for. Absolutely. If it has value, it's worth paying for. So mm-hmm. uh, excellent. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. Return to sender. Return to sender. We would like to thank the following for information used in this podcast. Wikipedia, Facebook, The Things You Should Know podcast, Lynn Stamp News, Backstory with the American History Guys. Richard Lehman. Yes. I was getting there. Oh. I was getting... You stepped on my line. And thank you for Richard Lehman for joining us. And again, thank you to our good friend Bob Dumain at Sam Houston Philatelics. Go to www.shpauctions.com and sign up for their free email newsletter. Also remember to contribute to the Stamp Show here today, Kiva Team at Kiva.com. As a reminder, Kiva is not a donation service. It is crowdsourcing to make loans to people in the third world. You pick who the money goes to, and when the loan is repaid in a few months, you can get your money back. Go to kiva.com. Thank you for joining us for episode 109. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show here today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. Also, ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can also listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. 
Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Poser Incorporated. And we're in Long Island, New York, and New Jersey. And our philosophy at Gary Poser Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on one out of two and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager. No such number. No such zone.